of errors in reasoning is really correction of the first or the third element. The second, the intuitional element, cannot be corrected if it is wrong, nor supplied if it is lacking. You can give the man new facts. You can invent a simpler proof, that is, a simple concatenation of intuitable truths. But when you come to an absolute inability to see any one of the self-evident steps out of which the proof is built, then you can do nothing. No doubt this absolute inability is much rarer than we suppose. Every teacher knows that people are constantly protesting that they can't see some self-evident inference. But the supposed inability is usually a refusal to see, resulting either from some passion which wants not to see the truth in question, or else from sloth which does not want to think at all. But when the inability is real, argument is at an end. You cannot produce rational intuition by argument, because argument depends upon rational intuition. A proof rests upon the unprovable, which has to be just seen. Hence, faulty intuition is incorrigible. It does not follow that it cannot be trained by practice in attention, and in the mortification of disturbing passions, or corrupted by the opposite habits. But it is not amenable to correction by argument. Before leaving the subject of reason, I must point out that authority not only combines with experience to produce the raw material, the facts, but also has to be frequently used instead of reasoning itself as a method of getting conclusions. For example, few of us have followed the reasoning on which even ten percent of the truths we believe are based. We accept them on authority from the experts, and are wise to do so for though we are thereby sometimes deceived, yet we should have to live like savages if we did not. And now, all three elements are found also in conscience. The facts, as before, come from experience and authority. I do not mean moral facts, but those facts about actions without holding which we could not raise moral questions at all, for we should not even be discussing pacifism if we did not know what war and killing meant nor chastity, if we had not yet learned what schoolmasters used to call the facts of life. Secondly, there are the pure intuitions of utterly simple good and evil as such. Third, there is the process of argument by which you arrange the intuitions so as to convince a man that a particular act is wrong or right. And finally, there is authority as a substitute for argument, telling a man of some wrong or right which he would not otherwise have discovered, and rightly accepted if the man has good reason to believe the authority wiser and better than himself. The main difference between reason and conscience is an alarming one. It is thus, that while the unarguable intuitions on which all depend are liable to be corrupted by passion when we are considering truth and falsehood, they are much more liable, they are almost certain to be corrupted when we are considering good and evil for then we are concerned with some action to be here and now done or left undone by ourselves. And we should not be considering that action at all unless we had some wish either to do or not to do it, so that in this sphere we are bribed from the very beginning. Hence the value of authority in checking or even superseding our own activity is much greater in this sphere than in that of reason. Hence, too, Human beings must be trained in obedience to the moral intuitions almost before they have them, and years before they are rational enough to discuss them, or they will be corrupted before the time for discussion arrives. These basic moral intuitions are the only element in conscience which cannot be argued about. 
if there can be a difference of opinion which does not reveal one of the parties as a moral idiot, then it is not an intuition. They are the ultimate preferences of the will for love rather than hatred, and happiness rather than misery. There are people so corrupted as to have lost even these, just as there are people who can't see the simplest proof. But in the main, these can be said to be the voice of humanity as such, and they are unarguable. But here the trouble begins. People are constantly claiming this unarguable and unanswerable status for moral judgments which are not really intuitions at all, but remote consequences or particular applications of them, eminently open to discussion, since the consequences may be illogically drawn or the application falsely made. Thus you may meet a temperance fanatic, who claims to have an unanswerable intuition that all strong drink is forbidden. Really, he can have nothing of the sort. The real...